Everybody Googles everything, especially potential customers or employers, and a business or personal online reputation can make or break you. If negative search results or reviews are impacting you, Webamax is here to help. Our proven process restores your online reputation quickly and effectively, and it matters. Don't let negative results control your narrative. Visit GoWebamax.com and fill out a brief confidential form to see how we can help. Remember, if you aren't paying attention to your online reputation, someone else is. GoWebamax.com before history is written it's played before it's frozen in time it's fought one shift at a time before it's etched in silver it's carved in ice what happens next will last forever the Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga, Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. What is good, everybody? Welcome to the Gold Standard Podcast. I am Rob Stats Guerrero. It is Thursday. You know what that means. I'm joined by the human wet blanket, Levin Black. It's the OG Gold Standard Podcast. Thank you very much. Get it right. That's right. It is the OG Gold Standard Podcast. So if if people watching look at us, if the the only thing that comes in their mind, it would be OGs. Because we are just... Two OGs sitting here, uh, clearly. Absolutely. A thousand percent, <laughs> me and my lime green shirt. Uh, <laughs> we get started talking about the Cowboys, Kyle Shanahan defending Brock Purdy a little bit, and some really juicy comments from Jimmy Ward to Richard Sherman on his podcast. I want to remind everybody, please like and subscribe to the YouTube channel. And as always, rate, review, and follow the Gold Standard Podcast Network. I always say, if you leave a review, I will read it on the show. Shout out to GH3, left a five-star review, one of the best, says, I found you guys almost two years ago when I started commuting 45 minutes to work and needed more podcasts. A coworker asked me what you could possibly talk about every day, especially in the off-season, and yet you do a great job. I love the different hosts and insights, and everyone brings something different to the table, dot, 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 even Levin. The Alcatraz defense needs to step it up this year and be ready to win some games if the offense falters. Can't wait to see the team in person on Christmas Day. Go Niners. Even you, they like, Levin. Imagine that. The OG. That's right. We go back away. We've been doing this show for, what, three years now? This is season four. There you go. Four years. So, yeah. 2019 was the first season, but that was with a different network before you ran the show. 
That's right. Um, I was within, we can say it, the no huddle on 49ers web zone. Mm-hmm. We were two of the three with Zane. And then we split out. So 2020, 2021, 2022, now 2023. It's four years as our own thing. And we that's when we say OG. We mean it. Uh, also, I want to read this review. DJYT8, five stars. It's good. Comment. Like I said, comma, it's good. Hey, points for brevity. We'll take it. Five-star reviews. If you want to see us higher up on the charts, please leave us a five-star rating and a review. It really does help, and that helps new people discover us. All right, Levin, enough of that. Let's get into it, because it's Cowboys week, baby. Yeah! This is one of two games I've had circled on the calendar all year long. It's a massive game. Cowboys coming three and one. Niners are four and oh. Sunday night football. Even you have to be excited for this game. <laughs> uh, yeah, of course. I'm also just excited in general for the team. Like, I was thinking about that today. Is this the most excited I've been about the future of the 49ers in my fandom? It, I think it probably is, honestly, because. I, I think I was pretty excited when Jeff Garcia broke out. Like that was in my early days when I was, you know, just starting high school and I was excited for Tio, but at the same time, like the defense wasn't phenomenal. Mooch was a question mark as a coach. You know what I mean? Like th- there was a lot of, ever, nobody was quite sold on Jeff Garcia ever. There was always the like question mark on him because he never quite delivered in the big time. He was kind of like the Kirk cousins of his day. In terms of even though he put up the numbers, everybody questioned him. Yeah. And so you have that. And then you have like the hardball years. Well, the hardball years, like if I'm being honest, I think Cap was a really good quarterback. But even in his heyday, I I would say this when I was debating with coworkers and stuff that were in the, into the NFL. Yeah, he doesn't read a defense very quick. <laughs> it's the first read and then we're screwed. If the first read's good, he better be able to run. So this is probably the most exciting I've ever been because the team is loaded. And for once, we have a quarterback that I don't really have any question marks about anymore. That uh, that surprises me that I'm like the most because I felt like you were kind of with me like, yeah, let's wait and see. You know, he still hasn't even played a full rookie season yet if you go by number of games played. And then I think after this Cardinals game, I feel like you have flipped and you are now convinced that Brock is it. Well, it's the way in which he's elite. And that's what I, you know, I talked about every quarterback needs kind of an elite trait or two. The two that I would say he's elite at are probably the two best to be elite. And it's also the two that I'm willing to clarify that you're going to be good the fastest. Because you can be a physical freak and suck as a quarterback, right? Mm -hmm. But I think what what Brock is truly elite at is pre-snap recognition. He makes the right adjustments. He knows pre-snap where somebody's almost definitely going to be open, but then also progression after the snap. And having those two things combined is why I'm willing to go ahead at this early stage sooner than I would a lot of other quarterbacks say that I'm convinced. Because if you have those two things, you can be extremely limited physically, much more than you know Brock is. You could be the worst quarterback physically in the league you would still probably do pretty darn well because if you can recognize pre-snap and have a really good idea of where to go and where the blitz is coming from and all those things, and then you can get through your progressions quickly, you're going to find the open guy almost every single time. I just thought of this. It just popped into my head and you tell me if it's accurate. Would you say Brock Purdy is a more mobile Chad Pennington? Sort of early Chad Pennington. Yes. Yes. Before the injuries. 
Yes. Because people are going to take that as a knock. I guarantee the people watching this and listening to this on the podcast version are going to go, what the hell? Chad Pennington was as smart of a quarterback as you get. He was as accurate of a quarterback as you get. He was, if I'm not mistaken, leading the league in accuracy in his, you know, prior to the injuries, which the injuries came quick and they turned what was his limitation, which was arm strength and physical capability into a massive, like career ending. Yeah. Liability because it, it, it's no different than what we feared with Brock this year, coming back from the injury. Cause if Brock loses arm strength, he's screwed. He has enough to get the job done. But if he loses that arm strength and it goes down another notch, he's going to get into the realm of it's not enough. It's going to, it will fall into the realm of Nick Mullins to give a reference that Niner fans can understand. Chad Pennington had Chad Pennington after the injuries had a weaker arm than Nick Mullins. Like it yeah. might've been the weakest arm in the NFL history. Like it, it just zapped everything that he had in that arm. But prior to that, his, his mental capabilities of recognizing what was going on, getting through progressions, everything, I would put him right at the top of anybody in recent history because he that's what he was. He was an extremely smart quarterback. Now you add to that mobility, yeah. I, I can see that being a good comparison. I just think most people listening to this are going to be like, F that. <laughs> yeah, and if you don't know, first of all, Chad Pennington was Randy Moss's quarterback in college at Marshall, which is insane to think about, by the way. <laughs> But Chad Pennington went to the Jets his first full year as a starter in 2002. He led the league in completion percentage and led the league in quarterback rating. So, like, this, it's not meant to be a slight on Brock Purdy. It literally, it just popped into my head as someone with similar traits is all. Uh, you know who else is a believer in Brock Purdy? And I know that most you know are that. at this point. Kyle the tide has turned nationally. Um, I don't know if I'd go that far, but Kyle was asked a question that a lot of Brock haters bring up calling him a system quarterback. Kyle was asked if Brock is a system quarterback. Here was his answer. Yeah, it's pretty ridiculous. They just got to watch the tape. I mean, he plays at a high level every time he's been out there. Um, and he's done it in a lot of different situations um, versus a lot of different defenses um, on the road, at home, in playoff games, when injured. Uh, he, he does. You can't do all that stuff. He's, he's been out there too long. He's It's on tape. So I'll say this. Number one, it doesn't matter if he's a system quarterback because he's always going to have the system. So it's like it's not, you're never going to have to separate those two things. Kyle Shanahan's not going to get injured on the sideline. So there's that. And there's also every single quarterback benefits from people with him and the system that he's in. Patrick Mahomes benefits from Andy Reid and Travis Kelsey. Now, I think Mahomes could play well in any system, but he still benefits from that for sure. Every quarterback ever has done that. So you have to be able to accept that as a Brock fan or as a Brock hater, Like, but it's still true either way. Uh, insert the meme, why not both, right? Because that, <laughs> that that's the answer here. Is he a system of quarterback? Yeah, because he's in the perfect system for what he is. It's literally a perfect marriage. It is the ideal quarterback for Kyle. I think Kyle wants the cerebral quarterback. He doesn't care for, you know, the Lamar Jackson running quarterback. He doesn't care for, I, I can't even think of one off the top of my head, but you know, the, the Brett Favre gunslinger. Guns. Yeah. He doesn't care for that. He doesn't want a quarterback that takes risks 
and he doesn't want a quarterback that's going to ad-lib too often. Only ad-lib when nothing else worked is kind of Kyle's motto, I would bet. So that's Brock Purdy. Brock Purdy is not a physical freak. He's not going to be able to take off and run. He's not going to ad-lib when he doesn't need to. But he's going to, like I said, excel at pre-snap and excel at getting through his progressions. And we've already seen, like, great anticipation. Like, he's throwing so many of these balls before the wide receivers even started their break, which is much sooner than most quarterbacks get. But the whole system thing, like, was Peyton Manning a system quarterback? Because Peyton Manning has flat out said that he needed the timing offense, and that was the problem for him early in his career. He didn't have a timing offense when Jim Mora was his coach, and that led to him making too many mistakes and throwing all the interceptions. And when he got the timing offense from uh, uh, Tom Moore, that timing offense was everything to him because that's what played into his strengths as a quarterback. Peyton Manning's strengths as a quarterback was basically being a general, right? Getting everybody in the right places at the right time and everything sticking to a perfect script. And then him analyzing that script on on the fly. And that's what he needed. And that's also, I would argue, part of why the Colts had issues in the playoffs. Because when it's a timing offense, good defenses know what the timing is. And they figure it out. But is Peyton Manning assistant quarterback? Because he was failing in the NFL until he got into the perfect system, a system that was fit for him. It just so happens Brock Purdy has come into a system that's the perfect fit for him right off the bat. So he didn't see the failing first. To me, it's both. You know, yes, Brock Purdy is a good quarterback and he is lifting this team up. But at the same time, the system is, or I guess I should say, the system makes it easy on the quarterback. I would disagree with your characterization of Peyton Manning's early career. Um, He was second in offensive rookie of the year, and he was second in MVP voting his second year in the league. So I wouldn't say he was failing, but he did lead the league in interceptions his rookie year with 28, which is still stands the rookie record, which he has openly said he does not want anymore. Um, Uh, That's never going to get broken (laughs) in today's day and age. Like the way statistics are, how fat, like, so back in the day, I think you could get away with all those interceptions and fans wouldn't know because unless they looked in the newspaper and scanned into the tiny little fine print, you couldn't see the league leaders in those things. Like that's what I did as a child. I would get the sports section and I'd scroll down to the league leaders and it would show the top 10 and passing on the top 10 and all those things. It was before the internet, very, very, or even before the internet got advanced enough to where there were statistical sites for sports. It was impossible to know those things. That's why you have some terrible MVPs in baseball. That's why somebody like Joe Namath is considered an all-time legend when the guy had 50 more interceptions than touchdowns in his career, right? I think Peyton benefited from that. In today's day and age, if anybody played and threw 15 interceptions in their first 10 starts, they're not the starter anymore. I feel like we do this once a show now. We All of a sudden, we veer off. Oh, no. Well, it's worth it. 49ers territory. But anyway, the point is, Brock is in a system that works for him. And if you're going, I think it's fair to say, yes, he benefits from that system, but also he succeeds because of things that aren't due to the system, that some of his success is due to his physical or mental skill. Both of those things can be true. And if we've seen anything, sometimes he executes the system flawlessly. Sometimes he extends plays and, and does things on his own. I will say one thing I've noticed, and you tell me if you think this is true. 
I feel like he is not bailing as much as he used to out of the pocket last year. He's staying in there to the point where even like that sack that the Cardinals got last week, I think Brock last year runs around a little, tries to evade it, you know, tries to make a move. But this year, I think he's staying in the pocket so much longer for him that he's almost lost some of that elusivity because of it. I I, I don't know if it's so much him not wanting to bail on the play. I think what I've noticed is he doesn't scramble to the sides nearly as much. And I think it's <clears throat> kind of an overcompensation of what he flat out said in the offseason that he needs to work on. Mm-hmm. That he, he was constantly, <clears throat> sorry, my voice is going there. He's constantly bailing to the same side over and over, and, he, and he's spinning out and going too early. We've seen a, a lot where he has moved up in the pocket, which we didn't see. And so I yes. think it's one of those things that if he has the lane in front of him, when things are breaking down, he's taking it. But he's not really doing the outside. And I think it's a little bit of an overcompensation from what the issue is. And we'll probably see him kind of get the better blend between the two from what he did last season to what he's doing this season. Uh, as he ages and gets better as a quarterback. So my question to bring it back to this week in the Cowboys is, I think it's pretty clear he's going to be under the most pressure he's been under this season. I know that the Giants blitzed a lot, but just because you blitz doesn't mean you always get pressure. I think the Cowboys are going to be able to get pressure without blitzing as many people and as frequently as the Giants did. And so the question is, how does Brock handle that? Does he stay disciplined like you're talking about and not, you know, get horizontal and stay vertical within the pocket and climbing the pocket when the pressure comes, or does he get a little disturbed, frazzled by the pressure, whatever, and kind of revert to some of those old habits of, Oh no, I got to get out of here. Let me go around the edge. Let me try and do some things. So that's like, to me, one of the huge storylines that I'm going to be paying attention to for this game is just what the hell does Brock do when it starts to get a little dicey back there in the pocket. There's two mistakes he can't make in this game. One is obvious. He can't panic and turn the ball over, you Mm -hmm. know, and he's got to be mentally aware in the pocket and protect the damn ball. You know, no strip sacks or any of that, because that's what the Dallas Cowboys defense thrives on. I don't think it's particularly a great defense in terms of matching up with you and just shutting you down. It, It is still a very much we are going to go balls to the wall and we're going to turn get you to turn the ball over a lot so that our numbers end up looking good because you didn't have the ball as much as you should have, you know, they, right. they have, I think four defensive touchdowns already this season, you know, cause they had two just this past week. Thanks to, you know, Mac turning into McCorkle. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but that's what they're going to try to do. So take the sack, don't fumble the ball. And the other thing that he can't do is don't try to out outrun Micah. If it's Micah, Woo. don't be holding the ball thinking you're going to find somebody, you know, and thinking you're going to have that time because Micah's going to catch you. Like, just just go, get up the field and take the, you know, minus one or minus two yard sack rather than trying to hold the ball because you think, ah, I got a second. I can get rid of this thing. The one, I shouldn't say the one thing, but a huge difference between Brock Purdy and Jimmy Garoppolo, huge, 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 is that Brock never made a bad situation worse ever. He might have thrown it, you know, he might have thrown a pick or taken a sack but he didn't do the Jimmy Garoppolo. Let me drop back to pass. Oh no, here comes the pass rush. Let me drop back even more because I'm trying to evade people even though I'm not elusive. And then I try and get rid of the ball and either force it into coverage over the middle or fumble it in the backfield and yeah. the defense scoops it up because they're the only ones there and they return it for you know a big gain or a touchdown. 
Brock has not made bad plays worse. And that's going to be a thing against the Cowboys. One, handling the pressure, knowing your hots, all that stuff. But like you said, when you can't do any of that and they've got you, just take your lumps. Live to play another down. And hopefully he does. And that's, by the way, also part of what will help keep you healthy, too. When the play is over, just let it be over. Don't try to extend it and be a hero. Did, did you catch the the thing in the Kyle Shanahan press conference? I, I really wonder if, if he's going to try to, like, pull a fast one on the Cowboys. He was talk, They were talking about the run game. And Kyle said, at this point, everybody knows what we want to do and mm-hmm. how, how we want to do it or whatever. The way he put it, he was talking specifically about how they want to win through the run game. They want the run game to kind of dictate the flow of the game. And I really wonder if him saying that publicly this week is he's going to come out passive. Because I do think the Cowboys are going to stack the box and say, all right, we are not letting Christian McCaffrey get going in this game. And if we don't let Christian McCaffrey get going in this game, we're confident we'll stop you enough. And that honestly should be every single team's game plan. Right. (laughs) Every single team's game plan should be, we're going to do everything we have to to stop Christian McCaffrey, and we're going to dare you to beat us in the other ways. And we're going to hope that Kyle Shanahan is stubborn and stays with this, we're going to run twice and try to keep short third downs when in reality what they're getting is third and eight and 39 because you just can't run the ball when there's eight, nine guys in the box. That's what I expect the Cowboys to do. I really wonder if Kyle talking about how teams know that they want to run is him setting them up so that he can come out and do play action, which we haven't seen a ton of play action for the 49ers this season. I could see him utilizing that as long as the Cowboys aren't, you know, obviously blowing things up so quickly that you don't want to risk the play action. That would be interesting. But honestly, I almost kind of think it's the way to go. Come out passing, loosen things up a little. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. And I really do think, in terms of like game script, the best possible thing for the 49ers, especially if they get the ball first, get the ball first, go down and score a touchdown. So then w- before Dak has even touched the football, I want him thinking, oh man, here we go again. Pressure's on, got to respond, need a, you know, need a touchdown here. Can't get down multiple scores to these guys because I'm telling you, and I've said it all week to whoever I talk to, the 49ers are in Dak Prescott's head. I really believe that. I said it going into the playoff game last year when he was talking about it. I said it after the playoff game last year, after we saw him play. I think he's got a mental thing for the Niners because they've beaten him two straight years in the playoffs. I really do think it could snowball on him if the Niners get a lead early. Uh, I'm all for it. (laughs) That's the exact movie I would like to see. 
uh, yeah, that I, I think everybody on that Cowboys team and they flat out admitted it. Uh, yes, they want to beat beat the 49ers. The 49ers are enemy number one, which is amazing considering the Eagles are in their division and they didn't even win that division last year. So you would think, you know, like the 49ers with the Seahawks, you know, we didn't win the division. We might have done something in the playoffs, but we didn't even win the division, you know, with the Seahawks being above us. You know, they always that always was the focal point of us 49er, uh, the team and the fans was we've got to beat the Seahawks and get the division title. Right. The Cowboys are sitting here going, we got to beat the 49ers. We got to beat the 49ers. Like you got the Eagles in your division. That's odd. Well, I get it, but it's. So Dak is eight and three against the Eagles in his career. So I think what what they would say is we're generally okay with the Eagles, but the Niners have literally ended our season two years in a row. We know they're really good. They're four and oh again. We we know it's going to come down to them. So and we haven't proven we can beat them yet. You know, I talked with RJ Ochoa from Blogging the Boys, the SB Nation Cowboys community. And he was saying, this is not a rivalry. It's kind of what we would say about the Seahawks, right? The Seahawks always beat the 49ers. He said, right now, Niners-Cowboys is not a rivalry because the Niners always win. And that messes with them. It's almost like what happened with Niners-Rams recently. Niners are living rent-free, baby. I mean, you can say it's not a rivalry, but clearly this game means a little bit more, I think, to the 49ers, too, if they were being honest. And a few of them have kind of hinted at it. That you know, yeah, they they pay attention to the Cowboys and they're familiar with them and all that. It is a rivalry because the moment the Cowboys win one of these, the Niners are going to be pissed and have the <laughs> Cowboys at the top of their list, right? That makes it a rivalry already. It's clearly a game that already means more than it should, or I guess means more than a single regular season game to both teams, right? It it already means more than what it is in reality to both teams. That makes it the rivalry. I think it means more to Dallas. I mean, they've flat out. It certainly does at this point. Yeah. Like if the Niners lose, I mean, how upset can you really be after they've won 14 straight in the regular season? Um, I mean, of course I'll be upset, but at the same time, like you, you try and keep perspective on these things. It will hurt because for tiebreakers and stuff down the line, obviously Mm -hmm. having the head to head advantage is a big deal, but uh, but if the Cowboys lose, I feel like they're like, oh, my God, no matter what do we got to do yeah. to beat these guys? How can we get past them? We didn't measure up. This was the measuring stick game and we're still falling. We're coming up short. Like it's if the beat. Cowboys lose their season could crater. I don't think they're going to be sitting here being some six win team or anything like that. But I think it definitely kind of knocks you down like crap. We we lost to the Cardinals who blew them who the Niners blew out yep. and now the Niners beat us yet again. How do we ever win a Super Bowl? <laughs> well, not only that, but I know this isn't a Cowboys pod, but just one more point. After this game against San Francisco, the Cowboys go to LA to play the Chargers. Then they play the Rams. Then they're in Philadelphia to play the Eagles. So that is a stretch for Dallas. They do not have time to, to lick their wounds because they're going to have a couple of games here. So if the Niners can knock them off, you know, maybe you'd stagger them a little bit. Maybe they go into a little bit of a spiral and lose, you know, three out of four, something like that. And then all of a sudden you're only worried about Philadelphia in the NFC. Was that a right hook I saw from you there? Yeah, that's this as close <laughs> as I get to throwing a <laughs> stagger them, you know? I get into it a little bit. I'm sorry. 
<laughs> it just <laughs> caught me off guard. I was like, wait, I mean, you're so you're like name tag kind of covered it up halfway. I was like, did he really just like kind of like do like a throw on a punch thing? I yeah, like it. Watch the right there, you know? That's what I'm saying. Um, <laughs> so we'll, we'll see about that. But anyway, I just, I do think it's a it's a bigger deal for the Cowboys, but it's still a big game for the Niners. They st- they like, you know, just like the Rams games. Like, they like that they're the big brother, that they have the ownership. The Niners like that the Cowboys are saying, we're using you as the measuring stick. You're the team we want to be. They like that. And I think that that's not something that they take lightly. So I don't think they're going to, you know, take this game lightly or anything like that. Hopefully the Niners go, yeah, we're the measuring stick. Now here it is. Whap. Smack them with it. <laughs> right. Like an old you know nun. I, mean? I was going to say, use it like a nun and beat the crap out of them with it. <laughs> Always goes back to the beat nun. Beat the crap out of them boys with it, you know? Uh, Do you think that the 30-point streak will continue, win or lose? That's tougher. I do think that this will be probably a higher scoring game. So I think it, it, it's more likely than not put it that way. Uh, whether or not they actually get to 30, I don't know, because I do think the Cowboys can sustain some drives and the Niners aren't a quick strike team. So, well, they kind of are a quick strike team. Not, not really. They've been able to score every drive, but they've still been three, four or five minute drives, right? The Niners are not a, like the Dolphins, like 70-yard touchdown, take it to the house team, no. but they're like a four-play drive team, like a one big chunk play to Ayuk, and then three more plays of like 10 yards, and then they get into the end zone. But they're not like a one, any touch to any play could be a touchdown, like blow you out of the water like Miami. Yeah, so I mean, they are what, I, what I've been saying. They are the most unstoppable offense in the league, because they are, statistically. They have scored on the highest percentage of drives of any team in the NFL. They're not number one in points. Why? Because they haven't had as many drives because they don't score quickly. And two, the the Dolphins had 10 straight drives go for a touchdown in a single game. So uh, (laughs) they they had a lot of uh, quick scoring drives in that game. So they were able to get more. But the Niners are literally, I think, the hardest offense to stop. They just might not necessarily be the highest scoring offense. Those are two different things. Josh Dubow, the Associated Press, had a fascinating tweet uh, a couple days ago. He wrote, the Niners gained a first down on 51% of offensive plays on Sunday. That's the highest rate in a regular season or playoff game since at least 1991. Next highest was 50% Chiefs against the Seahawks in 2002 and the Bills against the Patriots in 2021. Think about that. They're gaining a first down basically every other play, essentially. That's how you know this offense is rolling. They don't even face third downs. It's just chunk play. First down, first down, first down. And then they give it to Christian McCaffrey a couple times in the red zone, and hopefully they score. They are a machine right now on offense. And I don't know if they can carry that over to the Cowboys because the Cowboys have pass rushers. There's going to be penalties. There's going to be pressure. There's going to be sacks, all that stuff. They're going to have to overcome, I think, more adversity in this Cowboys game. But man, seven straight games, 30 or more points. And as the expression goes, a lot of gamblers have lost money betting on streaks to end. They're pretty, pretty, pretty good. You're welcome. I've been sitting here going, when's he going to stop talking so I can make this terrible joke? That's my I <laughs> alien point, you know. Hey, is it Thursday? 
Yeah, it's time for bad jokes and uh, dad jokes and puns. And <laughs> so that means I'm on the show. God. Yeah, I, I don't know. Hey, if... You're not the only one. If it makes you feel better. My kid gets all of it. My three-year-old goes, oh, daddy, you joking. You joking, daddy. Dad, hey, it's always good with the kids. It's good to throw in some dad jokes every once in a while. Do you think that if the 49ers win the game, that the narrative on Brock flips. You said you thought it already flipped. I don't think it has. I still think there are people that think he's a product of the system that think that he's, you know, that the shoe is going to, the other shoe is going to drop, that the bubble is going to burst, that he's going to be exposed eventually. I just think that we haven't seen too much of that because he hasn't lost a freaking game yet. But if they lose, it'll be, see, when Brock plays a real team, he's not it. Depends on how he does, right? If they go out and win this game and Christian McCaffrey has 200 yards and Brock has 120 because they didn't need to pass, the narrative's going to be, see, it's not Brock. This is Jimmy all over again. Jimmy Garoppolo had one of the highest win percentages of all time early in his career, and they were able to only pass, you know, a handful of times in the NFC Championship game and win. You know, that would be the narrative if Brock doesn't do anything and Christian McCaffrey just dominates. But if he has a normal game, you know, gets a touchdown or two, and they win, I th- I think the narrative will be, you know, what is the league going to do to stop this team? Because Kyle Shanahan finally got his quarterback to connect with all that talent that they've had for the last couple of years. That will be the narrative coming up. This is right now the offense that we all thought we could have. That this is was what we question. all thought we had with Jimmy right. in 2018. And then we thought, all right, he's back in 2019. And then we thought... Well, he wasn't terrible in 2019, so 2020 he can improve in a little bit. And then in 2021, that's when the hope died. <laughs> that's when it was like, yeah, we know we're not that. Let's just hope Lance is the real deal. <laughs> Let me just say some of us did not take that long to make that determination. Um, but I, the realization I had this week is that, like, Brandon Ayuk is a microcosm for this 49ers offense as a whole. For years, you know, I think 49ers fans – thought about Brandon Ayuk. He's so good. He could be so good. He has so much potential. He's being held back by the quarterback. And now with Brock, we see Brandon Ayuk has reached a level that he has never reached before, just like this offense with Brock has reached a level that we all thought potentially was there because of Kyle Shanahan, because of Debo and Kittle and all the playmakers they had. And now it's here and it's 30 points a game, even when they don't play particularly well or, or take advantage of all their opportunities. And it's awesome. I mean, here's a debate we could have that I think even a year ago this time, everybody would say that that's stupid. Why would you even bring it up? But now I think it would be probably a majority in the Ayuk boat. Who would you rather the 49ers have to play without? Ayuk or Debo? For oh, me, I would it's say. Debo. Yeah, I would agree. Debo can sit. Like the, the offense doesn't change drastically with Debo. With Ayuk out, nobody can do his role. That's this the thing. Year. And his role is really important because it what's it's what stops the uh, defenses from basically Jimmy Garoppolo in it saying, all right, we're just going to sit everybody in the box and you're not going to be able to do anything. Cause you got nobody that can get open past 10 yards. If we're talking 2021, then I say Debo because he was transformative that year. I mean, he had one of the great years in the history of the 49ers in the history of football. Uh, I'll change it around. If we're talking, Jimmy Garoppolo is the quarterback. My answer is Debo. Because Jimmy Garoppolo is not going to be able to 
utilize Ayuk enough to make it matter. If we're talking about Purdy and most NFL quarterbacks, it's Ayuk is the more is the one I want to be playing more because they will actually throw the ball deep. But if you have a quarterback who won't throw the ball deep, then yeah, it's Debo because at least Debo can turn you know into a phenomenal play, right? And that's what he did over and over and over in that season. And over and over and over. <laughs> um, I do think that this could be a Kittle game also, even though I think he's going to have to pass block. How many six- weeks in a row are you going to say that? I think you've said that every single week this year. I, I don't mean to be yeah, a jerk. I- you, you go into every week going, I think this could be the Kittle game. No, I said it going into the game a couple of weeks ago. And then guess what? It was. He had 90 you yards said it last in the game. week to me. Yes, I did. I did say it last week also. And I was wrong. Okay. So I'm at least 50%. you didn't take the over on Kittle, right? I'm 50%. If I was a baseball player, I would be in the Hall of Fame. I'd have the best batting ever. Is this a ever. baseball show? Is this a baseball show? You're missing the point. If, if, Purdy, if Purdy was 50% on his passes, would he be good? No. This is not a baseball show. And your Mariners aren't even playing anymore, so don't worry about it. Well, what else is new? <laughs> um, but hey, I they can w- hey, 54%. Now that's a good number for the Mariners. <laughs> for anyone who doesn't know what Levin's talking about, the Mariners GM, and this will be quick, I promise. The Mariners GM said that their goal is to win 54% of games because over a certain over time. a decade. The teams that win that much almost always win a World Series. And it's like, dude, I've seen one playoff appearance in two decades. Shut your damn mouth. It's not a year one GM. It's year eight GM. So he's almost at the decade, and they didn't even make the playoffs. <laughs> That's right. You've had your decade, ass. <laughs> oh, God. Now you're making me swear, man. That's why you're wearing green, right? Mariners, right? Dude, that that infuriated me to know. And that's I, something. I, I We haven't talked about it. I mean, we're both baseball fans. I, I had a pretty good assumption that if I can work that 54% in to this show, that it would set you off. But and that's why right. it's so exciting. Like you were talking earlier about being excited about the future of the 49ers, right? You know the 49ers are trying. Whether they win a Super Bowl, whether they don't lose a Super Bowl, you know they're all in. They are not holding anything back. They traded three first-round picks for Trey Lance. They traded four picks to get mm-hmm. Christian McCaffrey. There is no question that the 49ers are all in right now. The Mariners are never all in. That's the problem. The, and, the and- Mariners are the team that lowball a big-name free agent, and they go, hey, at least we tried. Right. No, and you then- didn't. Just because you right. offered shit doesn't mean you tried. And that's what they do. And that's, that's why with this 49ers, you should be encouraged about the future because they are all in. They are still making moves. I think it's entirely possible. The trade deadline is Halloween this year. I think it's entirely possible the Niners make a trade before Halloween to bring in something, a right tackle, a corner, whatever the case may be. It will there's be no corner. That they I, are doing everything in their power to win. It's going to be a corner. There is just no depth there. <laughs> they, they are every single week. They're going back and forth. Okay, we're trying Ambry. Ah, crap, he got burned. Okay, we're going back, and we're going to have Oliver in slot. Oh, crap, he got burned. Let's go back to Ambry. They've been doing that every week. They need a different, another corner that can fill either a slot corner on the cheap, you know, because somebody that's dedicated to the slot who might be really good, they're not going to be overly expensive to go get, or an outside corner who you know is solid enough. I don't think they're going to go out and get a star. I think they're going to get somebody that they know they can count. Kind of like, you know, they we always compare it to it because it's the one big in-season trade the Niners have done. Uh, I guess Christian McCaffrey now. But 
Emmanuel Sanders type. You know, Emmanuel Sanders wasn't a, you know, all world wide receiver anymore at that point, but he was somebody that was good enough to affect the game, you know, every single week. And that's kind of the corner. I think they'll get somebody that started quality, but it's not going to be, oh, this is the star that we have right. for the next five years at the position. But think about like the Jordan Willis trade when they made it, right? You were like, Jordan, like I, that barely registered with me. It was like, do I even put this in 49ers in five? And it ended up, he played very, very well for the 49ers and ended up making one of the biggest plays in 49ers playoff history, blocking that punt against the Packers, the Telenoa Hufanga scooped up for the touchdown. So you don't need an all pro. Honestly, you need a league average corner. Really, that that, that would be a huge upgrade. You're not wrong. <laughs> they, they just need somebody that's re- reliable enough to where they can have Demo in the slot, have Mooney on the outside, and if they lose any of the three, they're still okay. Right now, if they were to lose Demo or they were, were to lose Mooney, the Niners are screwed. And I'm trying and not Mooney, to use the F word there. <laughs> Mooney didn't practice today because yeah. of a heel injury. I'm not he- overly concerned about that. He always has something. I'm overly concerned. And they said this isn't a new injury. This is something he's been dealing with. So Right. But, yeah, who knows? But that's obviously, you know, you'd like to see full participation all the time, 100% healthy, better than he's ever been. Best this is the 49ers. That never happened. So. Hey, guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere, and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. I'm Victoria Cash. Thanks for calling the Lucky Land Hotline. If you feel like you do the same thing every day, press 1. If you're ready to have some serious fun for the chance to redeem some serious prizes, press 2. We heard you loud and clear. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com right now and play over 100 social casino-style games for free. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Hey, you know what? Knock on wood or whatever the hell you want no, to knock. No, don't say it. I know, I know what you're meaning. Most listeners will, and those that don't, Sorry. <laughs> We're losing you behind today. So, okay, before we go, what's your final score prediction? Uh, you know, I I don't hate these, but I have a hard time deciding because it's so so variable. Like this is a game that the the Niners could see, you know, a run heavy scheme, and I could see the Cowboys coming out and saying, "Hey, you can't stop the speed of Tony Pollard because Tony Pollard has found some success against the 49ers in the past." So I could see this being a huge running back game, which means fast game, lower scoring, even if the offenses are moving, right? But like I said, I could also see Kyle Shannon coming out and saying, oh, you thought we were going to run? Well, here's something over the top. Yeah, yeah, yeah. basically. The so, over under for the game is 45, by the way, if you're wondering. Oh, it's going. I, I think it's going. This is tough because it's two great offenses and two great defenses. So which one wins out, right? I think it's going over for sure on 45 i think this is a game where both teams uh go over 20 and i could see both teams in the 30s i think this is a game that it's going to be all right here's a haymaker oh you thought i was going down i'm I'm throwing one right back at you i'll give you a score i've talked enough (laughs) 
<laughs> Lord knows that's right. Uh, I'll go. I'll go. Uh, Thirty-four, thirty. Mm. I'm not. Yeah, think- I'm not picking against the Niners until they lose again because there's no reason to. That's fair. I mean, there literally is no knock. The biggest problem with this team is their kicker kicks the ball out of bounds once a game on a kickoff. That's pretty much it. Um, but I agree. And this is not a style points game. Like, don't, you know, it might be 34-30 and the Niners might have to score on their last possession or stop the Cowboys from scoring on their last possession. Like, do not, who gives well, a we crap? we know they can do that because, <laughs> well, <laughs> did you see what I tweeted out today about, you know, that people were saying, what can Trey Lance teach them? You know, what, yeah. what can Trey, I posted a photo of that final play where they have no offensive linemen and said, Trey Lance just told them maybe run a play with an actual offensive line. Don't <laughs> that play. Elliot at center. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that play is burned into my memory. It will be like, it, it's an all time favorite. That mem that play's memory has gone. I'm not old enough to remember the catch. So I can't go there with that one. But that the memory of that play is right there with T.O. on the star as like my favorite true cowboy memories. I could be wrong about this, but if I'm remembering it correctly, too, I think they came out in that formation and then Shanahan called timeout because he was like, what the hell is this? And then they came back out in it again. So like they had time to reconsider and they were like, no, we, we really think Ezekiel Elliott at center is the way to go here. Yeah. I, I, what was it? Armstead that was over top of him. Like Zeke's going to be able to block the six foot seven dude. Yeah. Good luck. What do you think Zeke was thinking when he looks up and sees him? Like he must be like, Oh, I'm, this I'm effing out of here is what he was thinking. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> Man, that was, yeah, that's an all timer. Uh, Hopefully it doesn't come down to that close, but I'm just, just saying this, it does. They, pra- they practiced that. Zeke had to have practiced to be able to do that snap. So they practiced yeah. that. Just think about that. What are they thinking in practice? Like, what's the defense thinking? Nobody on the defense said, hey, uh, uh, Coach Mike, maybe don't do this. <laughs> you know I'm about to kill Ezekiel Elliott right now, right, Coach? <laughs> whatever. But if it does come down to a final possession, like, don't get concerned with style points or whatever. Just a win is a win against Dallas, one of the better teams in the NFC. I I have to agree with you. I can't pick against the Niners until they lose. I think they've earned that. So I'll go Niners 27, Cowboys 17. Weird score, but that's I haven't listened this week. Do you never do the prediction before the show? Because every time I feel like you're really thinking about it and I go, Hasn't he done three shows already this week? Shouldn't he already have? Yeah, no, I don't. Because on Mondays with Vish, I'm not going to do it because we're talking about the game the day before. On Wednesdays with Grant, I'm usually reacting to whatever gets said in the press conference. I thought Um, you were going to say you're usually reacting to whatever Grant says. Well, yeah, and all the crazy stuff that comes (laughs) out of his mouth. Um, And so, yeah, though, you get the general first crack at it. I am truly honored. Yeah, you sound like it. Anyway. (laughs) That's going to do it for this edition of the show. Please rate, review, and follow the Gold Standard Podcast Network. Please, please, please leave us a five-star rating and a review. It will help us climb the charts. If you want to support the show, that is the way to do it. Like and subscribe to the YouTube channel. Hit the little bell in the corner, and then you'll get notified, like on Sunday, when Levin does the instant reaction show after the Cowboys game by himself, because I will be in Levi's. Levin is steering the ship, manning the ship, he doesn't even know how the buttons work in StreamYard, so I don't know what the hell is going to happen, but it's his show on Sunday, so please join it. Whether it's going to be a beautiful performance or a car accident, it's worth watching. Well, I mean, I did host technically live with Michelle, but and you actually messed me up there because you hit 
go live rather than me until I was not quite ready. But excuses already. Yeah, that went all right. Uh, but I did want to. I did want to end with this nugget. You you can kind of think about it all weekend as you're in Vegas enjoying a wedding and all that. As you know, my wife was watching our instant reaction. When I got upstairs, she was watching it with my three year old. I get upstairs and she goes, guess what your kid said? And I said, what? And she said, I pulled up the stream. And she goes, oh, daddy's talking to the Woody guy. <laughs> she knows you as the Woody guy. <laughs> Woody from Toy Story, of course. <laughs> yes, because she's seen the photo. And she thought it was like super cool when I showed her the photo when I first made it. She was the first one to see it. <laughs> she knows you as the Woody guy. <laughs> I wore a flannel shirt. One time, and that's it. I got Toy Story people tweeting me pictures of Woody left, right, and center. You're all of a sudden a master Photoshop expert, and you're sending things at me. So thanks, thanks a lot for that. But anyway, please join Levin for the instant reaction show. I'll probably try and join from the stadium, although I've heard the Levi's Wi-Fi is spotty, so I'll, I'll try. But I don't know if I'll be able to do it. But hopefully, 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 we are talking about regular season win number fifth in a row it sounds absurd to even say it but please join us for that hope you have a great thursday and we'll talk to you soon